As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. Today, we have somebody from Copenhagen. So this is the first time I interview someone from that part of the world. And I'm so delighted that Joachim Yerl has accepted our invitation to be on the show today. And he is the founder and executive director at Havos. So he's a sustainability advocate, food communicator, gastronomic entrepreneur, oyster tamer, event developer, copywriter, muscle farmer, lecturer, concept designer, and seaweeder. Welcome to the show, Joachim. So maybe you can give us a little bit of introduction of how you got into the industry. Well, it's funny how you should call it an industry because that's exactly what I'm not dealing with right now, actually. I think what I'm trying to do is to create an alternative to industry. But we can get back to that if you want. My starting point in all this was gastronomy, food, and sustainability. I was engaged in a number of activities in urban food production and so on. And at some point, we just started to think that in Copenhagen, we have a big harbor, which is basically used for a lot of formerly industrial purposes, but it has turned into a recreational spot. So we wanted to see if we could use this recreational spot also as a productive space to produce food for people who lived in Copenhagen. So it became this sort of blue version of urban farming, basically, uh, trying to cultivate oysters to begin with, but gradually moving to mussels and uh, seaweed. That's amazing. So when you said that you're not actually dealing with industry, what do you mean exactly by that? (laughs) What I think we're trying to do is to see if we can find a path into food production, which is with a more strong local anchorage where the cultivation is being handled by either communities who set up and we assist them in doing this, set up these small plots where they can grow these regenerative species for themselves and their families or create these like small scale commercial units where we are trying to assist local fishermen in reinventing themselves and their their business because in Denmark as in many places in Europe and around the world the wild fish stocks are disappearing and it's just really hard for small 
especially coastal fishermen, to generate a real income from doing what they've been doing traditionally. So we're trying to challenge that a little bit and to help them move into a more multi-dimensional commercial activity with some cultivation going on, as well as some fishery, if that's an option also in the future, but trying to diversify their business models. And to me, this is counter-industrial. This is an attempt to see if we can create a whole new way of looking at how we procure food from the ocean based on models that are more in tune with the challenges we're facing. I think industrial ways of thinking have done a lot of damage to our food system, and maybe we should try and make that right again, or maybe also by trying to transcend that whole notion of industrial production as something we should all be aiming for. Wow. Okay. You just scratched my mind with all those terms that you used in terms of thinking a different way versus industrial and commercial, which is in a way opposite of what a business is. But I love the concept of when you were talking about how we can transcend this whole if I have to call it ecosystem mm. in, in a more natural and holistic way. One of the things that also caught my attention with your background is when you mentioned about you're an oyster tamer. <laughs> Can you tell our audience more about that? I think that whole notion was something that sprang from one of our educational formats. We do a lot of educational activities and try to involve young people in this whole way of thinking about food production and regenerative ocean cultivation. And one of the educational setups that we have is called the Oyster Tamers. So we have one based on oyster cultivation. Uh, we have another activity for kids centered on mussel cultivation. And the third one based on cultivation of seaweed. But I just love that whole wording, like an oyster tamer, because yeah, <laughs> it's strange, but somehow it works and it describes some features of the oyster more than it describes features of me, I guess. <laughs> and also, it's really a different way of thinking the way that you've started the whole value cycle in Have Host, wherein you've involved community, really wanting to help the small growers. And I think that's the legacy that we wanted audience to actually really hear when they hear about aquaculture is this whole thing is not just a business. It's this whole integrative approach on how we can bring food to the table in a more sustainable manner. So you involving all these little communities. And I'm finding that with the interviews that I'm doing, this has gotten more and more popular to have all these small growers and the business aspect of things when you were talking about how they can diversify so that they can, I guess, expand and distribute risks among more stakeholders. So when you were talking about sustainability advocacy, can you tell us more about that in your line of work? Sustainability is like, that's where we're coming from, right? I mean, we're basically trying to reinvent, I guess, a whole way of food procurement. I'm trying all the, all the time to transcend some of those differentiations, which is also a part of the industrial way of thinking, right? We com compartmentalize and we try to separate stuff in order to understand it. We try to reintegrate different models and different ways of thinking, which is the way that nature works. 
so we should probably uh, you know take more inspiration from nature when we try to understand ourselves as a species on this planet one of the things that we're really seeing is that it can be really difficult for a traditional fisherman to see himself also as someone who can cultivate something right i mean it's like yin and yang it's like male and female it's like wild species versus this sort of more female sort of domain with cultivation and nurturing and so on and that's just one example of the divides that we have to bridge if we want to create something truly new something that is truly in tune with how we want to live on this planet in the future but it's really complicated which is why we also you know work so much with young people because we can't solve any of these by doing only one thing neither we can't do that either we also have to look at how do we involve young people how do we make them understand and take active part in this whole reinventing of our food systems that is taking place we need to look at the commercial side of it with fishermen and so on we also need to look at how do we engage the much broader public you know how do we create formats that enable people in cities to take part in this whole transformation which is why we originally started in in Copenhagen as well the capital of Denmark this is where people actually live but that whole sort of strangement that is taking place you know between food production and something that takes place very far away from where the food is consumed is not something which is doing good work when it comes to sustainability so by reconnecting also you know consumers with producers and we're also you know trying to make up for some of the the lost the lost connections that have taken place with industrial production you mentioned a lot of my favorite words transcendence connection reinvention and if you can give our audience one maybe two tips on how you engage community because one of the challenges that we find here is this engagement which it sounded like you did beautifully in your location i think that one of the problems we have when it comes to the ocean is that the ocean is just so hard to understand i mean it's so hard to relate to for most people it's just you know it's a surface it's this pretty surface that we can look at but it's really really difficult to understand what goes on beneath the surface for most people and there's just this whole world down there right but we have no relationship to it at all so a lot of this a lot of what we're doing is also about reconnecting this i mean you know getting people to understand and respect and, and love the ocean and we're doing this by introducing formats that people can engage in I think these community gardens are really strong because they and there are 25 of them now in Denmark because it's just you know it's regular people just doing it making it happen and becoming local heroes and becoming someone that the local community can talk about and through that gain a better understanding and maybe even getting to the point where they want to be a part of the these communities of practice around regenerative cultivation in the ocean right but we do a lot of we've also we produce these wave field platforms that we introduce in danish coastal cities which is like 5 times 7 meter platform 
designed for cultivation purposes and for dissemination and for getting school classes down. And, you know, it's, it's a room, it's a floating classroom with cultivation taking place all over of these different regenerative species. So also, you know, I think one of the important points is to create places where this encounter between us as humans and the ocean can take place, create uh, venues and create settings basically for this encounter. And in that way, we can hopefully get more people beneath the surface. And what we're also doing on these wave fields is that instead of, you know, you have to go down under the surface to understand anything, what we're doing on the wave fields is we have these towers that enable us to pull up the crops. So the crops sort of end up in eye level with you standing on, on the wave field, which is also really neat because getting the ocean up to you is just way easier than getting you down into the ocean. So these ways of thinking, maybe maybe that can inspire someone somewhere to go ahead and just do it. One of the beautiful things you also said is about the yin and yang, male and female. And it's so true that some of the other, I guess, I, I just call it industry, the fishing industry thinks that one of their enemies, quote and unquote, is aquaculture. So you mentioned how beautifully we can integrate this because we both one and the other to support the whole ecosystem, as you already mentioned. One of the other things that really attracted me to your bio is this concept, being a concept designer and seaweeder. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that as well. Well, I come from communications originally and have been working with communications for many years before doing this, which is probably also one of the reasons why our way of working is, is so visual and so involving. And, you know, we don't close our, our view on what is in front of us. We're always trying to involve and get people on board. And that probably comes from my background in communication, that it's just whatever you do, it makes sense in when you get other people to understand what you do and they can take it home and copy it and do it again and do things better. And we need to create a movement around this. That's one of the really important things we need. We need to create a new movement around this whole regenerative way of looking at food cultivation. And that goes for land-based as well as ocean-based procurement of food, right? And sometimes it amazes me how difficult it is for most people to grasp it. You know, this whole regenerative way of thinking. It's like we hear all the time that, okay, so we're reducing our negative impact on the environment by this and that many percentages. And, you know, and, and people are all, you know, way, very good. You did 30% less negative impact. But that's just not going to get us anywhere near where we need to go, right? We need to regenerate. And that should be the goal of everything that we do. So that's, that's an important takeaway. I love all of those because one of the last questions I'm going to ask you before we wrap up here would be how do you bridge, because you already mentioned bridging between two, I guess, I wouldn't say opposite, but I think just different side of the coin, but really it's one coin, would be how do you foresee regenerative way of doing things with the new world of the metaverse? And, and you were talking about a movement. One of the things that I think technology has done for us is to be able to make this a little bit easier. And again, it's not a new world. I think it's integrating what's coming up in terms of how these new technologies can help us. So can you give me a little bit more of an idea? How do you foresee we can unify 
I guess, metaverse, regenerative farming, and sustainability? That is a wonderful question that I have no idea uh, about how to answer. I mean, I'm sure uh, at some point we will all get in contact with this whole sort of meta way of looking at stuff, but I'm just so committed to the real world and to real action taking place, you know, real people getting out there and doing it. So is there a risk that people will be less interested in taking place in real actions, taking place in the real world, the more, you know, we can activate our ourselves in an, in an unreal place? I don't know. I don't know much about it. I know enough to really be qualified to say anything, I think, but our focus is just so real. I mean, it's about real people taking things out of the water and eating them. I love it. I just love the honesty that you brought here to the table because you mentioned about movement. And I think if there's one thing technology has brought about would be, you probably already heard this in terms of the creation of the DAO or decentralized autonomous organization, where in all this, even though they're all metaverse and virtual, it helped created community wherein mm. people has been brought together from all over the world in a very quick way. And so I'm all for your going for a movement. And interestingly, most of the people in the blockchain started in Switzerland, which is your part of the world in Europe. Mm. And Mm. so there's one way that we can all gather together and have this DAO in terms of creation of the movement for the whole regenerative way of looking at things. We're Mm. all for it. Thank you so much for your time, Joaquin. Well, to our audience, the biggest takeaway that I I'm bringing to my life after this interview is when Joachim was talking about the yin and the yang, the transcendence and how we can look at things in a new way of bringing regeneration into the whole concept of sustainability. So thank you again, Joachim. I really appreciate you. You can share with the audience how they can get in touch with you. We try to be a little active on social media, actually. So we have an Instagram account where you can follow our actions going on in Denmark and also in our neighboring Nordic countries. So that, that's a good place to start. Find us LinkedIn as well. We, we try to, to be a little active there as well. And our website, of course, Hauhust, which is impossible for most people to write since it's made of a Danish letter called Ø. But I can post the link somewhere if you want. Sounds great. Well, thank you once again for your time today to all our subscribers, our audience and listeners. Thank you so much for your time. And as you know, for each interview, we try to give back by each episode being able to build a home in the Philippines. So thank you again very much for all of you. We are celebrating our first year anniversary of the podcast, May 6th. So this episode will be coming around at that time. And so again, thank you, Joaquim. Thank you, everyone. Bye for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.